so it won't be sticky. Lack of sugar. Is that how that works? Yeah, actually it is. Science, science, science with Jamie. It's uh, that's why aspartame is does, is zero calorie because it doesn't stick to your bones as it goes through. Okay, maybe not so much science with Jamie. <laughs> maybe not Uh, that was funny though it was it was pretty good because it had me for a half second I was like wait what how does it get to the bones hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond I'm your host John Parrott and with me today is this is Jamie coming at you live from Red Raccoon Studios Alexis, it's just me. Alexis, I'm, I'll, I'll go to you first next time, and I'm just always going to leave Jamie, because I think that now that we have this new recording set up, Jamie just instantly goes into, like, radio shock jock mode. Uh, Wolfman hey, Jack style. cats and kittens, how's it going? It, it, for those of you that know, that's the Crazy Taxi voice. Uh, yeah. And if you've ever been in an arcade with Crazy Taxi, you know that voice. It's Crazy Taxi! Uh, I actually, when I was in college, one of our... Uh, dormitories had Crazy Taxi, and I would always go in, oh, and it was man. unplugged, and I was so upset. So I'd go in and plug, plug it in, and I'd play it for a little while. And then my, uh, I, I once talked to one of my people that actually worked in the front desk, and they're like, yeah, we have to unplug that thing all the time, because there's only so much offspring you can handle in a shift before you start going mad, um, which I didn't really blame them for. So, yeah, which I started unplugging it, it myself. Uh, it's the one that goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And then hits the riff, but it never plays the complete song. No. It only plays the first 40 seconds of it, so then it's just on repeat because... Oh, that would go crazy. My, my buddy, I remember, uh, worked at uh, KB Toys in the mall when the first Toy Story movie came out, and they had the movie on loop during the entire holiday season, oh. and he still he hates that movie, but he knows every word of the movie because it was it, he was the assistant manager, and it just played nonstop over and over, and they couldn't adjust the volume at the at the store. Oh no! Yeah, that's a nightmare scenario. Uh, but in the case of nightmare scenarios, you have podcasts now that can help you get through. And even though I've already managed to mangle up our intro, that doesn't mean we're going to stop here. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the two of you, hey, how was the store this week? Uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, we, how many crazy. times have I replied to crazy? It's always every, crazy. Every, every, is it, has it been week. every week? Yeah. I think that if we had someone that actually cared enough about our podcast to do a wiki, it would there would be like a counter on the front page. <laughs> and it just equal the episode number. No, it was a, it was a good week. Uh, there was a lot of prep this week because Pokemon Go's special set came out this week, and so mm-hmm. I feel like that consumed half of our week, right? Yeah, it was a lot. And and planning, and you know, we have a lot of customers that have moved out of the area who still call us and pre-order stuff and have us ship them things. And uh, I just had another guy yesterday who came in to pick up his pre-orders and was like, "Hey." So we're moving to Texas, but if I call, will you ship me stuff to Texas? I'm like, yeah, of course, man. No big, no big deal. So, uh, so we're gonna have another person. We're gonna have to ship stuff okay. to. So we uh, we shipped to, to Texas, and uh, Jorge's in Maryland. There's Somebody's in South Carolina. Someone's in Montana. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, people have moved all over the place, and we still ship them stuff. So, Pokemon was a lot this week. Yeah, we're shopping. 
for a new point of sale system for the store. Uh, we, our, our current point of sale system is um, developing some bugs in reporting that are driving all of us insane, um, trying to figure out what's going on. So we've been, we've been spending a lot of time looking at new point of sale software, which is very exciting. It's, it's super it thrilling to all of us, so. I will say the last one we looked at has been my favorite. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, so that one was, uh, it's called Lightspeed. Um, well, with a name like that, in the, the genres <laughs> that you deal with. Yeah. Tell them what the guy on the phone said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Brittany and I were, we were just watching like a demo video on my phone uh, during our marketing meeting, and while we were still watching the video, to, to get to the demo video, we, I had to put in like some info, right? And while we were watching the video, my phone starts ringing and I'm like, hello? And it's like, hey, this is blah, blah, blah from Lightspeed. I'm like, man, I haven't even had time to finish watching the demo video yet. <laughs> He's like, well, we do like to move at the speed of light. And I'm like, oh. all right, dude, that was good. Oh. I, I stopped and had a conversation with them because of that line. There were a bunch of guys, that, or people, I should say, that started that company. And like, okay, here's going to be our gimmick. This is our shtick. And yeah. it's working. No, um, it totally like did because we stopped and had like yeah. a 45-minute conversation with them right then and there. So That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's not the sexiest part of running a game store, but it's certainly necessary because um, – we're having weird bugs and trying to pull like restock lists like which things did we sell that we need to make sure we get out of storage and put back on the shelf for the next person and 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 when those things don't go right and customers you know you can't sell things that people have no idea that you actually have at the store so right. um restock lists some nightly reports that we want to run to, to see where the end of the day was and and we never had these bugs six months ago. They're like they're all new and they're all popping up, and so we're looking around. We we've contacted them a bunch of times trying to figure it out, and they're not figuring it out. No. And then everything for next this upcoming week is all you know. We switched over now, and now it's full on prep for the next Magic set, Double Masters 2022. So that was the the part of the week that wasn't consumed by point of sales and Pokemon <laughs> Go was saying, what's happening next week? Just curious, did the Pokemon Go seem to sell well, or...? I think that we're over probably 60% sold through already, and it okay. just came out Friday. So there's going to be some of the boxes. When they do these po these special sets, they don't sell them the way they do a traditional like quarterly release. Like a quarterly release, has a, it has a box with 36 packs, and we can easily open them up and say, hey, kids, would you like some packs, or do you want a full box, or, you know... Uh, when they do these special sets, they only come in in the the display box packaging. Is that a good way to say that? Yeah, oh, I don't is really there an know. Industry term for those? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, not that I'm aware of either. But you, you, everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's the the wide boxes where they like fan out the packs behind the the plastic, and there's maybe one big giant sized promo card and maybe a, a metal pin because Pokemon makes really cool pins. And, uh, and, and so they don't sell regular boxes, so it always causes a lot of confusion with customers who come in like, yeah, I just want some packs. Yeah, we, we don't have any packs. Um, they don't sell them this way for the set. So then we end up saying, okay, the hell with it. We're tired of getting asked for this, so we open some packs. We open some of these special sets up, and then people are like, well, where'd you get all these 
pins and these cards and everything. <laughs> well, we opened a bunch of, you know, the kids can't afford to drop 50 bucks on a, on this big box, right. so we got packs for the kids. And then the adults buy up all the packs, and then there's nothing left for the kids again. So we're out of packs over there for, for the kids. Are we? Yeah. The, some guy them. bought up, like, 40 of them yesterday. It's just, it's the, it's the fun of running a game store, and, and Pokemon continuing to change up their product mix. Magic is uh, driving everybody crazy because they keep changing... Here's the product mix. Here's when you can sell it. Here's uh, promos, but this promo goes with that card, but not with this card. And and so we have to have like a giant product matrix of if you sell this, then give this, but not this with this. And you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. So so that's some of the stuff that we were doing this week is trying to sort all this stuff out and make sure everybody was educated. Well, one of the reasons I brought up the Pokemon Go was simply because uh, Niantic, this did not make the news for this week, so this is just ancillary information. Niantic came out with a news article where people were reporting on this that Niantic is not doing well, actually. Uh, they have been trying to meet the success of Pokemon Go that they served, and none of their ancillary, their, their other games have caught up to anywhere close to the success of Pokemon Go. Uh, they've tried Jurassic Park, I think, is one of them. I, yeah. I'm not prepared to really talk about this article, but you know, it there was, was the such Harry a Potter one, but there, it was it was yeah. it was too complicated, mm -hmm. right? Because um, Kelly's fourth graders, they all started playing it. They were super excited because fourth grade is a big year where you can start reading Harry Potter, right? And it's it's kind of right in the wheelhouse there. And they couldn't figure out the game. There was too much to do and too many patterns with casting the spells, and so it was only adults playing it. Mm -hmm. they, they never got, like, Pokemon Go, the mass uh, influx of, of kids playing it, which was Pokemon's um, target market, right? Absolutely. You know, we, we knew families where um, they had every iPad and device in the house, and they're riding around in the minivan, and all the mm -hmm. kids are playing from the back seat, and mom and dad are playing in the front seat, and uh, that happened all the time, and you never saw that with the Harry Potter one. And I remember seeing the Jurassic Park one, but it was a flash in the pan, and I think it might already be gone. I believe it is shut down now. So Niantic had two more projects that were supposed to be coming out that they were teasing. Those have been shut down. So Do you remember when Niantic's stock went crazy? Or, uh, no, Nintendo's stock went crazy when Pokemon Go came out because everybody thought it was Nintendo Direct. Yep. And then when they discovered it wasn't actually Nintendo putting the game out, then Niantic's stock went crazy. And then everybody realized that nobody wanted to pay any money to play these games because they were just fun little kids apps. And then Niantic's stock crashed as well. And Niantic had a game even before Pokemon Go that was kind of the same principles, but... Uh, something like Portal? Ingress was what it was called. Okay. And you could claim sectors of the city, and you could fight people. It never really reached the critical success, but because of Pokemon Go, it actually ended up becoming an anime and getting a little bit more of a boost. But again, I, I am worried about Niantic. I think they had a really great idea there, idea there but I'm just not sure what their future is going to hold at this point. I know so many people that drove to Chicago for Pokemon Go Fest, though, and paid mm -hmm. the 60 bucks to play all weekend. I mean, they do that twice a year, maybe? I think so. You know, we never, we never did that, but it was, yeah, you had to get tickets, and you had to buy them, like, months ahead of time in order okay. to go, and... I happen to be up there at the same time. There's giant inflatable Mewtwo's and Pokeballs, and... Okay. Which, that'd be cool all by itself, right? Right? How do we get one of those for the uh, Halloween... <laughs> uh, thing downtown Lexus. That would be cool. Giant 20-foot tall Mewtwo out yeah, front. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I was going to say, at your new store, technically you have a lot of ceiling space where you could have a giant inflatable. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. On top just, of the building. 
Oh, on oh, the building. Yeah. I, thought, I thought I was thinking immediately like hanging it upside down from the ceiling. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm talking like old school. Because I did think about doing like we could do a giant Christmas tree upside hanging down. upside down that from the ceiling. Cool. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah. It'd be easier to stack presents underneath of it too. The the games, the pile of games that we do for the. Yeah. yeah. You, it actually, you could ceiling? stack up. No. Oh. Because you could actually the stack tree yeah. instead of just under the tree, oh. where the tree like limits it. Gotcha. So that when the inevitable Christmas ornament falls off the tree, it doesn't pelt somebody in the head walking underneath the tree. <laughs> exactly. Well, sadly, it's not Christmas time yet, so we have to find the joy. But it's time to plan. It is the time to plan, which you can come to Red Raccoon and buy some Christmas gifts right now and save yourself some time and money down the road. What is on your table right now that you might suggest people should maybe check out for Christmas gifts? Uh, the two most recent games I played were the Stardew Valley board game, Ooh. which was a lot of fun. Uh, it's cooperative. I don't know if either of you have played it yet, but if you've played the video game, I think it does a really good job of bringing in all of the elements in a way that is succinct enough. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely things missing, but it's not important to the game. And then I also played the Cuphead um, fast rolling dice game, which was one that I bought months ago, but hadn't. It's, actually, mine's still it in the packaging, actually. I played it with someone else who bought it. Fair enough. Can we, if we can go back to Stardew Valley yeah. real quick. Um, so what elements of Stardew Valley were missing? Was there Was there farming? So, yes, there was farming. There was mining. There was fishing. There was turning things into the museum. It really was like the like the wizard in the tower. Like, there wasn't anything gotcha. with him. Just kind of like the side side stories. Could you romance someone? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you had to get one of the epic items. You had so they had to be a friend, obviously, and then you had to get the epic item, and then that would make you have another worker to put out. None of us got there, but we still won. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, when my wife played, she married the doctor, which okay. actually was very frustrating to her because first of all, uh, she had an automatic watering system already set up by the time they were married. Really, marriage for her in that game was kind of just an ancillary. I need to check something off the list. So he would wake up and be like, "I watered the plants for you today," and she'd be like, "They already no, water themselves. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have an auto feeder. The animals are fine. What are you doing?" But then, anytime that she died, <laughs> she would still wake up at the clinic, and he would charge her money. <laughs> Oh. Nor, but none of that money would go back to her. It was right. very much an embezzlement situation That's that she funny. was not appreciative of. Um, <laughs> and then she ended up having kids with them, and the kids were really creepy to her because they'd be like kind of just wandering around. But she did not turn them to doves, from what That's I understand, good. which is an actual element of yes. that game. I have never played this game, and just listening to you, to you talk about it makes me happy. I've never played this game. <laughs> well, you play the game. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, Square Enix is coming out with kind of their own Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Farmer game uh, that was just announced this week. Seriously? So, yeah, it oh, might be coming man. into your life. But, Jamie, I'm curious what you've gotten on your table this week. Nothing good Nothing. at all. Oh, Not a single good game. No. That's heartbreaking to hear. <sighs> John finally got me to play Root again. Yes, I did. Did you like it this time? It was better. It was a better experience, right? I mean, and, and John was convinced that I played the wrong faction in the fact that I was playing yeah. the Otters the first time. And he was right. And so I played as the Eerie, the, the birds. And that was a much better experience and a much more logical flow as what was going on. I, uh, I actually was about a half a turn from winning the game. Okay. Um, Zach was very confused, and he was playing the cats the entire time. But but everybody says that, uh, you know, Root is definitely a game that you've got to play each faction 
once just to learn it and the second time you can come back at it and then actually make a difference because I think we were three quarters of the way through the game and Zach was like oh I could have been recruiting everywhere this whole time so it was like you discovered things as you went along so I I did much better the second time through I tried to make a power move um, using one of the dominance cards to to win the game not realizing that Amanda was full on running the uh, the Woodland Alliance as the mob, the Woodland Alliance is the mob. That's yep. what they are. There's no we establish that other way to say it. That you know, what do you, what do you mean? I have to pay you to come to that clearing, and then I have to pay you again if I want to fight you. <laughs> Seriously, that's what's happening here. That's 100 percent what you have to do with the Woodland Alliance. You're like they they send sympathizers out. And then they just like you have to pay them off to do anything uh, as you as you move around the game. And and John was the vagabond. Yes. And uh, it sounded like you were pretty confident that if Amanda hadn't finished it, you were going to as well. I think it was either going to be I got it or I was going to be one point away. And I knew that it was just depending on how how I played my cards correctly. Uh, and the vagabond, I think, is a lot of the reason why they have. The, the classes you've played, like the River Otters and things like that. The Vagabond is a very, you know, kind of solo creature. You're kind of just kind of playing the other people a little bit, but you're also on your own little quest. Uh, and it, it didn't give me the army feeling that you and Amanda and, and Zach was feeling. So yeah. I, I think that there is a lot of more in-depth characters there, and I, I fell in love with the game all over again because now I know how to play two classes. I have always played the Avians. I love the Avians, and I always feel like there's a way that I can just play them perfectly if I just if I just had enough time. But it's wanting to play Root over and over and over again to master it and not try all these other great classes that always makes it a struggle. The Avians are very much a you-must-attack over and over and over again, and you have to be aggressive and just keep hammering people. And since I couldn't pay off the mob, the, the Woodland Alliance, right, and I was, I was stuck every time I tried to, to, to take a, them out of a clearing, I just kept hitting Zach and the cats. And <laughs> yep. He was just like, and I kept breaking his plans every time he was trying to do something because I'd be like, all of a sudden, look at all the birds and here they come. So, no, it was, it was, it was, a, it was I, I, I want to play it again, right, okay. and, and try it out again and see if I can do something better. And I think that's what... Now I'm seeing what everybody talks about. It's just what John said, too. As I want to play it again because I think I can do a different strategy and I can win the game this time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I read a couple more reviews because we watched some videos, like learn to play videos for each of our factions ahead of time to, to streamline the learning process. And, and that became the, uh, and I, now I could see like, okay, everybody's like, I, just one more try. I can do it. I can do it better, right? And it's it's a little bit like playing civilizations. Well, just just one more turn, just one more turn. I can I can do this. Just one more turn. So uh, yes, I retract uh, officially retract yes. my my me saying that I don't like root. Now I will say that I am curious about trying other factions in root to see what else what else is in the game. That could not make me happier. So do you have a game then that you don't like? The, a game that I don't like? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's no longer root. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What's the bottom spot? No one ever asked that question. I know mine. <laughs> well, I, you know, my, my fun one I say all the time in the store is Hi-Ho Cheerio, right? You know, you, <laughs> I loved that as a kid. Oh, man, it just wants to make every adult on the planet just stab themselves in the eye with the pencil, right? But, man, I don't know what my bottom game was. Um, 
War for the Ring, mm. I think. And again, this is a it's 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 like one of the top rated games on Board Game Geek. It's this epic battle, and there is so much stuff going on that we never could wrap our brains around all the rules because it's like this grand overarching plan of a game and there's like six different sub games inside of it that you have to learn how to play each one of the sub games separately as you go along and we i think i've tried like for probably seven hours into that game at various times trying to learn it and figure it out and really kind of master it and come through and we just we never had a good experience with that game but other people love it but it's it's an epic game it's one of those ones where you better bring all of the your friends that love super crunchy games to the table and be ready that you're going to order pizza at some point and then you might need to get drinks afterwards because you're going to be there for four or five hours you need to detox what's your bottom game alexis so sort of on the flip side of that uh it's photosynthesis Really? It was, I, I don't mind simple games, but it was just too simple and very boring to me. And I, I like the art, I like the idea of it, but we almost didn't finish. We were just like, none of us are enjoying this, but we have to finish it to say we played it. Okay, we're finally done. It was, it was not. I, I'm curious if the expansion would make it any better. As a, as a cozy game lover like yourself, I find that very curious. Yeah. No, it was I never thought photosynthesis fell into the category of cozy game, though. To me, photosynthesis is a game that if you're going to win it, it's got to be more like chess, where you're planning three, four, five moves ahead to figure out where the sun's going to go to maximize your expansion and score the most points. And, you know, it, to me, photosynthesis is a much more thinky game than a lot of stuff we have at the store. Maybe that's yeah. why I haven't won the game. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree with that. I think it's just, there wasn't. I place a tree. I place another tree, and another tree, and that's all you're doing. And there's something about that that I just didn't enjoy. That's fair. That's fair. It is an absolutely beautiful game. It I is very it. pretty. Yeah. I don't think I've ever won a game either, but it's a game that I keep trying to win a game and trying to figure out like if I do this and this at this time, that when yeah. the sun's going to be over there, I'll maximize my energy collection that'll let me grow this tree and score those points and i don't know it, it's it's a it's a simplified chess for me yeah i could see that i might need to use the term cozy a little too liberally because i just finished creature comforts and yeah. that game looks cozy it feels cozy uh it was fantastic uh, great resource management great uh worker placement Felt very equal with playing against anybody that I would be going against. Uh, I felt like all of the items, the art was fantastic. I was making stews and breads and soups, and I had a wheelbarrow, and it I, was it was lovely. It is a very fun game. Did you play it by yourself, or did you play it with someone? I did play it with someone, yes. Okay. I played the solo mode to learn it, and it was just as fun playing it that way than playing it with people that's fantastic there were just these little elements of the game yeah. that like the wheelbarrow was a card that you can get but all of a sudden there was a token for it and i just didn't realize that that would be a part of it so it was kind of like yeah anytime that i can get a little something extra i wasn't expecting as far as like a token is concerned i love it those open box games like Charterstone, where like you open it up and I'm, oh i've got this new type of unit absolutely love and it kind of gave me that it scratched that itch for sure i like the the bookshelves where if you have so many books on this one card so I just imagine the little animals putting books on their shelves. Exactly. And really cute. And all the animals are cute. They are. Well, uh, and they've got a, 
standalone sequel coming out, right? It's it's like yeah. Is it Maple something? Is Maple that? Valley. Maple Valley. Yeah. But it's like it's not a expansion. No. But it's like a sequel to the game, but it's still completely standalone. From what I've seen, yeah, I haven't. I saw one article a while ago about it, but I have not looked any further into it yet. Um, solo games, though, John. Yes. Jamie. What? Solo games. Do you play games alone ever? Uh, so there's one game I play by myself, and John probably can guess what it is. Oh, Zombie Side? Yeah. You played Zombie Side by yourself? I did during the pandemic. I would set oh, up a thing and run all six characters to see if I could survive. That's very intense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually don't. I've. I. It's not that I've steered away from them, but. I guess for me, gaming has always been a social experience. Right. And so it's hard for me to, when I'm by myself, think, you know, a board game is what I want to put on the table. Yeah. It's, I've done it a few times with some different games, and it's not any less enjoyable, but it does feel like I could be doing something else, and I would prefer to play it with people. But did you know that 2021 was the year that the most single-player... Mm, words... Games that could have single players were released. It's it's a new thing. People ask yeah. all the time, like, can I play this game by myself? Can I play solo? Right? And I think a lot of that was everybody was stuck in their home exactly. alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you if you weren't married or didn't have a live with a, a partner, um, you, who were you going to game with during COVID? Yeah. Right? And it's, it's neat to me. So before I started working here, I did not know a ton of board games or anything. And it was always like party games that needed four people. Then when I started working, I was like, okay, this is a two-player. I can play this with the person I'm living with. But they didn't care for games that much. So had I known that one-player games were a thing and that I could enjoy them, life would have been so much better. But Yeah, no, there's a, there's a ton of them coming out. And yeah. so um, especially with a lot of Kickstarters we back, that is often a stretch goal to say, and now we're going to add a yeah. solo mode to the game as well. So I don't play a, you know I, the other game that I have played solo mode a bunch of times was uh, Castles of Mad King Lugwood. I haven't played that yet, but I want to. Oh, it's so it's so good, it's so good. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. I was just saying that I do know that there's a bunch of games actually, not a bunch, few games that are actually meant to just be one player. Uh, Proving Grounds comes to mind. My wife has played that and found that to be very entertaining. I've seen that. I haven't played any that are just meant for one person. But I'm trying to wrap my head around the design structure of a game like that. It right. must be so different when you know that you're only going to be competing against yourself or some random factors of the game. So with Creature Comforts, that one is one where the rules actually don't change too much. And you're just trying to get as many points to get the cute little name at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Fairy Trails, which is a Uve game. And it's just little like tile card placement. And if you're playing with somebody, one person's the fairies, one person's the gnomes, and you're connecting all these little trails kind of um, almost looks like Suro. And then you're placing your gems when you complete a whole track on their little houses. First person to get rid of their gems wins. But when you're doing it solo mode, it's incredibly difficult because you are placing both of the houses and you can only play i think two or three cards without completing something and then you lose oh so all these trails are branching off and if you don't finish one you just got to restart so that was fun for me because it was challenging i think i went through like five different games in one night trying to 
win, and I never did. That sounds very much like playing the airy and yeah. root. Well, and, and another one-player game that did really well at the store, mostly because Jesse loves it, was Maquis. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You're playing as um, this French Revolution, trying to survive in a city in France and stop the Nazis. And the Nazis are kind of OP a little bit. So if you can actually win the game, it's you're like, ooh, I finally, I finally did it. Right? So that's, that's kind of a big deal. And, and Jesse told everybody about that game yeah. for two or three months. Um, you know, it was, it was a pretty solid, pretty yeah. fun game. I think that if I were to do something solo, I would most likely try doing an uh, Arkham Horror, the living card game. Okay, yeah. Because in it, it's very much geared towards each person will add a layer of difficulty to the game. Because each person is not only playing the game, but also they're the ones that are bringing the bad things into the world. So no matter how many people you have playing is kind of equaling out how many bad things are really occurring. And because it has such a rich narrative to it, and you can actually do uh, different things and upgrade your decks as you go, I I could completely see that being something that you could play for five, six, seven nights, and even replay certain sections until you got exactly the way you wanted it before you completed. I haven't played that yet. I have a rental copy at my house to learn. So hearing you say that makes me want to learn it more. I can maybe help because I have way too many cards. It's (laughs) It's one of my obsessions. Yes. And most of the people that buy Arkham uh, Horror the Card Game from the store play it single. Mm -hmm. They play it as an individual and then we also, right there with it, is the Lord of the Rings card game. Yes. You know, also from Fantasy Flights, that uh, that one is, there's three guys, but they buy everything that comes out. They're just waiting on the next pack to drop, because, and they've got it all, right? And so, because they just, they love that single-player experience, too. And at least one of them, uh, Brian, I talked to him, he's like, mm, you know, my spouse has no interest whatsoever in this game. But I love the story, so I just keep playing it over and over again. Marvel Champions, I think, is kind of in that realm, but I feel like it's based more around trying to work as a team, have that Marvel Avengers-type style to it. So even though it's the same type of card game, I I wonder if that would be as good solo. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the other... uh, Have you played that one? Marvel? Yeah. No. Okay. Were you getting ready to add something? Because I had another series of games that we sold a ton of. That's one-player mode. I was... I had one too. Was yours only one player? No. No. This is a weird a guessing series game. Of games, We're though. not going to win it. Yeah. Mine's oh. only mine's only one game. It's not a series. Okay, go ahead. Cascadia. Super good. It is. It was. How the, do you play one player? I never. I never played it one player. I haven't played it one player, but um, it is. It was the top selling single player supported game of the year in 2021. Well, I think it was one of the top selling games of 2021. Period. Yes, and nominated for the Spiel Day. I'm gonna say this. Yaris. Yaris. It is okay. I couldn't remember if it was the J sound or the Y sound. Yeah, Germans. Spiel the Yaris. Game Spiel of, literally game of the year. Yes. Um, and that is I'm I'm sweat segueing here. So do you have something else about a single player game? Well, I was just gonna say the the ones that we sold a ton of were also the fantasy flight games like Mansions of Madness that have, were app assisted. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you could the app played the bad yeah. guys. And so it was uh, Descent, Mansions of Madness, uh, Imperial Assault has now been pretty much discontinued, um, and then uh, Journeys Through Middle Earth, which I know that you and Amanda have gotten into as playing two-player. That is correct. But you can totally play that single-player as well, because the app played the bad guys. And, um, you know, Derek comes in most Saturdays, and he's just like, what do you got that I can play one player? Because a lot of times when he's like, I finally get a chance, and I'm ready to relax, 
and it's now 11 o'clock at night and nobody wants to hang out and do anything, right? And so he's like, so I open up a, a game and I play a game. Yeah. It's usually starting at 11 o'clock. That's when I just play games on Board Game Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're segueing. Um, Tell my, me where you're my, going. My other segue. I, so I wasn't ready for you to do a segue. <laughs> I'm usually looking for John, so. Tricked you. Um, Cascadia is made by AEG and Flatout Games. Mm-hmm. And they have another game coming out that looks really interesting to me called... Um, Verdant. Yes. Yes. So it mentioned that you're getting all these plants to put in your house to make it cozy, which gave me creature comfort vibes, even mm-hmm. though the art's different. Um, but I'm assuming it's going to be a good game because Cascadia was. Well, and <laughs> Flat Out Games, the last... The, uh, before Cascadia, they did Calico, too. It, Calico was super yeah. a super Love good it. seller. Mm-hmm. People loved yeah. that one. That was also with AEG. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which I uh, do my best to like all AG, AEG games because that's that's my initials. So I feel like I have to like them. <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> but generally speaking, they are all good. Is your middle name Eleanor? No. Okay. Elizabeth. I was, what'd you spoil that for? We were going to keep Sorry, guessing. I didn't know you were going to keep guessing. I didn't want to waste time on the we podcast. It's a new e name. Uh, well, there goes another 20 minutes of this podcast. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's um, Verdant look cool. I yeah. saw it at I saw a, a proof of it at uh, Origins, and it, okay. it looks gorgeous. But it's all about I think it's all about where you're going to place the yeah. plants around your house in order to make your house the most feng shui. Yeah, I think I think I don't think they use that term. Of course not. I don't know if I should use that term anymore. I don't know where that falls on the. I'm um, not sure on the PC culture. So we're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, it does look super cool. Um, and uh, I don't, is that, is it supposed to make it out for Christmas this year? Did I they? don't remember what the release date said. Yeah, so I haven't shared with any of you guys yet. I was reading an article yesterday that it looks like something happened in California yesterday that may actually throw us back into the realm of shipping delays oh, going, no. getting worse again. Yeah, there was a California law that was passed last year that is um, what it, it was originally aimed at companies like Uber um, and Lyft and who said, we don't have employees, we only have these external contractors. And there was a lawsuit where the, the employees wanted the benefits of being an employee because they were, you know, Uber and Lyft were the only companies they worked for. Um, but you know, Uber and Lyft were saying you're an external contractor. We don't have to provide any benefits or support for you. Uh, accidentally getting drug into this lawsuit along the way were truck drivers, because a lot of truck drivers own their own semi and they will sign a contract to run for a particular bigger company to get contracts and loads through them and haul them all over the United States. The TV show Ice Road Truckers has taught me all of this. Yes. <laughs> yes. And um, so the the California and or it might have been the National Trucking Association sued to get truck drivers exempt from this um, this this law that went into effect. And the California Supreme Court denied them yesterday. Hmm. So that means that um, all truckers that run for these big companies in California are now going to be considered, potentially be considered employees. And it could throw chaos into the entire system. And they're saying it could be like 70 or 80,000 truck drivers that are involved that will not be able to work for these companies anymore. Or if they do work for these companies, these companies are going to have to charge a lot more for every shipment 
because now they've got to pay full benefits and, of course, all payroll taxes to the federal and state government for these now employees. So, And with California being the port that we receive a lot of our goods from, from yeah. the Asian manufacturers, yes, that's going to be problematic to say the least. Are they... They still have ships that haven't been brought in. It's still it's getting better. We were like six months where ships were sitting out in the ocean, and it was down to three at one point. And um, but this could be another scenario because if you remember when we were talking last year, we reached a point where then they were unloading the ship and they were putting it on the dock, but then there was no truck drivers who could pick it up from the dock to take it to its next location. We could be going back into that where stuff is piling up sitting on the dock. you know, shipping prices have come down a little bit from some of the board game manufacturers that I'm hearing about. You know, at one point a container was thirty-five thousand. Now it sounds like it's down to twenty to twenty to twenty-three thousand for a container, but it used to be thirty-five hundred. So we're still twenty thousand more per container, and and all that's going to get passed along. And, you know, and if the shipping, the domestic shipping charges goes up that much, it's all going to get passed through. And this could be another kind of, you know, we see some inflation happening or the price of board games continues to go up. Um, you know, the only other thing that can happen is switch all manufacturing to, I, I know that um, there's been some countries in South America that have really been angling for, hey, you can bring it up to South America and bring it to the East Coast instead of the West Coast. And this, this could be the thing that shifts that manufacturing. I don't think that manufacturing is going to move fully back to the United States. I think that that's overly optimistic, and, and these global national companies are going to do whatever they can to not pay US for U.S. manufacturing. So we could see everything shipped to South America at some point. So an interesting note on that, and this is going to be a long transition, so stick with me. But the news article that's related to it uh, comes from Milton Grape at ICV2. And it's that Christian Peterson's company has acquired Keyforge. Now, those of you might remember Keyforge. It was a, I don't want to say flash in the pan, because I feel like it was a little bit more than that. We, I think they made four sets. Yes. And the gimmick was you got a deck, your deck was digitally marked and put together and that's how the deck was supposed to remain there was, was no a, really yeah it was a richard out. garfield design game yes. of course most famous for making magic um it was a richard garfield design game and it uses a it used a computer algorithm to make sure that every deck was unique and every deck had a unique name to it interesting yeah it was pretty cool and people really enjoyed playing it yeah unfortunately though um First of all, there were some definite problems in how the technology was working. Uh, there began to be uh, certain names of decks that were not exactly appropriate for the age group that they were pushing these games out to. And then in 2000, and, sorry, 2021, they had to halt production because they realized their algorithm for creating these decks was broken. And so since then, it has been mum's the word on Keyforge. And they had built a rich culture. They had gotten some great artists on the game. But then... They even uh, released the, the world as an RPG. Exactly. So what is interesting about this is that actually Keyforge has now been bought from Asmodee from, by Ghost Galaxy Incorporated, uh, which is 
founded by a Fantasy Flight Games founder, Christian Peterson, and his group, Strange Stars LLC. And this is where I'm going to start digging a little bit into what we were talking about before okay. about production. Because I went into Strange Stars LLC because I was thinking, okay, how are what is this company going to do that is actually going to fix this problem? Do they have the digital know-how to do it? And their whole entire push is really trying to create more of a digital atmosphere for games and have production a little bit more print to demand. So Strange Stars LLC is looking to get into the entertainment, gameplay with digital augmentation, VR setups, not only for entertainment purposes, but professional scenarios as well, managing freelance talent and print on demand services. So I'm wondering if that might be a route that they start trying to go down is some of these games might start looking not at where can we get better production, but what can we do more digitally? Uh, especially with somebody who founded Fantasy Flight, which I think are, un, you know, arguably is one of the best producers of games. I think that's a debatable statement, but still. Well, certainly was. Yes. Right. At one point, they were the premier publishing house whether or not they are i think a lot of people are going to argue and there's probably people that actually listen to our podcast that are yelling at their at their <laughs> please do devices yes. right now but at, 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 at one point i would say that even as recently as when i bought the store they were probably still the premier uh publishing house for, for board games at that point so that's within eight years ago Yes, and they actually bought the print-on-demand business from Asmodee North America and restructured it for their own group. Well, and they, they also bought the, the um, Fantasy Flight giant game center that they built in, um, it's in Minneapolis. Yes. I've been there. It's, it's enormous. I bet you they can see 400 people there because they did a lot of the huge regional events for X-Wing and for Netrunner and for these big giant games where... You qualified and played at regionals all over the United States, and then the the championships were always at the the the, the Fantasy Flight Game Center. And his Christian Peterson's group bought that from Asmodee. And I think they renamed it the Game Center, like Zenter, for really? Zen. I believe that's what it is. Oh, yeah, wow. uh, you'll have to spot check me on that, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. But I think one of the most impressive things about this article is that they have already said, we just bought this license, it's already confirmed, and within a few weeks we are going to have an announcement on when Keyforge is going to be able to, to start back up again. So they must already have an idea of how they're going to fix this system. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be curious, are they going to be able to fix the algorithm, or are we going to see a direct change in the way that the game is played in order to kind of accommodate that? It was, it, it was interesting because Keyforge... Um, did several really interesting things when the game came out. Every deck had a card on the front that had a, a full deck list and the QR code for it so that when you bought the deck, you could scan the QR code into an app and claim that deck. And then nobody could steal your deck or do anything with it until you transferred. You could transfer ownership of that deck and its digital assets and the physical cards to another person if you sold them. We had to do some stuff with, um, you remember we had sticky notes over the, all the QR codes. So nobody could just scan them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it was, so that was interesting too. It was interesting that um, their Magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! have a robust secondary market of, of selling singles in the store. You couldn't do that with Keyforge because the deck was designed and had to stay together. So if you were going to sell something, you had to sell the whole deck. 
So we were buying and selling entire decks for a while because there was such a demand and a shortage of supply that uh, we couldn't get enough to satisfy the demand. So we were buying entire decks from people and reselling them for a while too, just to make sure that everybody could get a few decks as it went along. Uh, so it was pretty interesting. And it was the first company where their um, organized play system, it was QR driven as well. You scan that QR code to say, this is John and beep, here's the deck John's playing and it knew everything about your deck and we went forward. And it was, it was really nice integration in terms of, of being a store. It meant we had to get a camera at a time in COVID when you know <laughs> cameras were impossible to get. Um, so my, my personal um, webcam from home made it to its way to the store so that we had something that could scan those QR codes. But it was, it was they, they really had thought it out and did a nice job with it. It unfortunately, in, in my mind, that's another Asmodee killed that game by mismanagement, right? Mm -hmm. Star Wars Destinies, um, Legend of the Five Rings, LCG, and Keyforge are right at the top of that list of amazing properties and really fun games that they killed through mismanagement. Well, we'll see if Keyforge can be resurrected at some point in time. But right now... Can I segue before we move away from Keyforge? I, I felt like you were getting ready to transition. Go for it. One more thing that's interesting, too, is um, when we're talking about Keyforge, Richard Garfield has moved on, and Soulforge just came out. Soulforge is his new property that is... Um, it's actually coming through an all-new company... Um, being distributed by Southern Hobby and GTS, and we just got it in store just this week. And Soulforge, Richard Garfield is coming back again with this idea of computer-generated unique decks. So maybe he fixed the algorithm, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so far, um, so far, so good. But Soulforge is if you took Keyforge and Smash Up or Keyforge and Jumpstart from Magic: The Gathering, either one of those. You take two half decks and you have to smash them together and my two half decks versus your two half decks and then we play a card game. It's it's actually a pretty interesting mechanic and there's some really unique tweaks all the way through it. And so uh, Christian Peterson's going to have to fix the algorithm without Garfield because Garfield's already moved on. Interesting. It was, in fact, called Game Zenter. I looked it up. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Zenter. Zenter. It, it, you have to prepare your brain to say the word because yeah. it just doesn't make sense. It's still like late 90s, early 2000s. Yes. Yeah. I feel like it all needs to be in neon for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I bet you the Z is bigger than all the rest of the letters You've got to believe logo. it, right? Yeah. You know, it's got to be the, a, a big, giant capital Z in the middle of it. Well, sadly, Soulforge is still on the horizon. We'll see if Keyforge can be brought back up. But let's talk about what we can actually buy now. What is in the new hotness that is catching your eye nowadays? And I'm going to say right now, because we've already talked about Root, there are Marquis de Cat Root plushies in the new hotness that are incredibly adorable. Uh, and I hope to see all the rest of the animals represented at some point in time. Well, uh, Marauder's in there, too. Yes, the, the Marauder uh, expansion. Yeah. So and it's got the um, extra hirelings um, that just came out. We got everything that came with the Kickstarter on that one, and then um, the Clockwork Expansion Part Two, which adds um, automatons to play as additional characters in the game. So Root could be played single player, and you could have autom uh, automaton 
characters for the other three people sitting at the table with you. And I will say it's very cute because they make robot versions of all of the art and it, it looks very spot on. Um, I do want to go ahead and put a shout out. I don't know if I've talked about this. I feel like I have. City of Mist is in the new hotness. It is an RPG. It is powered by the apocalypse. And now that I say those words, I feel like I've said it before. It's still, I'm going to put it out there again. If you were looking for a, an easy way to get people into role playing and you don't want to know all of the rules that come along with uh, Dungeons and Dragons. You just want to tell a narrative, especially in a modern setting. It is a fantastic system. There is a great podcast out there called Misconceptions uh, that does a great job of showing you how to play. Uh, and I would just highly suggest it. And it looks like you not only have the player's handbook, but also the... Uh, we had the slipcase with a... You did have the slipcase, but you have the Master of Ceremonies toolkit oh, okay. as well. The MC uh, toolkit. Uh, which I think is incredibly helpful in understanding more elements of what the city is. For those of you that don't know the narrative, there is a city. And it's in, your, in the mist? In your game, it might not have a name. But there is a substance in it called the mist that blinds normal people to the happenstance that's going on. I got to give a fist bump for that because both of us are sarcastic <laughs> enough that we both went. You hit in it. The mist. Hit it <laughs> amazingly. <laughs> uh, and so. Certain people, though, can see through the mist, and they are known as avatars, and they are normally connected to some sort of uh, narrative throughout history. So maybe you are an avatar of, well, no, excuse me, not an avatar, you're a rift of Robin Hood, and you have certain elements of Robin Hood that goes along with your normal everyday life. So you could be a private detective that also happens to be uh, connected to Hermes, the Greek god, or you could be... Uh, in one of them, there's an undead assassin. So the undead kind of is your element of spookiness, but then you have these other elements that are just part of your life. As you play, you basically have four columns, and each column can either be a power or it can be part of your person. If you And as you play, if you focus more on your person stats, you're going to lose your powers. But if you play more with your powers, you're going to lose your humanity. And at the end, you could either lose all your powers and become a normal human being and never remember anything about the mist, or you become so overpowered that you become a full avatar of your calling and you don't remember what your humanity was like anymore. And so it's finding that balance. And as you play the game and the choices that you make, you can kind of elevate that. So um, it's one of my, I signed up for it back in the Kickstarter years ago. I've had my PDF for a while. I've altered the game so I could play it with Star Wars. Uh, I did one of My Hero Academia in it. Okay. It was fantastic, easy-to-learn system, and really fun to play. That sounds neat. I, I don't, didn't know anything about it, so I'm now intrigued. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple the of other um, unique games in there, too, and one of them that was something that I ordered on purpose. Uh, well, I didn't order everything on purpose, but <laughs> it, it, it served a special purpose, was there is a Coco Lotteria mm -hmm. in there as well. And that's from the OP, and it uses, of course, um, from the Disney slash Pixar movie Coco, which is, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Um, and Lotteria is a, it's a traditional Mexican version of, uh, very similar to playing bingo, but instead of using like bingo balls, like we would have a spinner and, and ping pong balls with numbers or something on it, it uses a deck of cards instead. And so it's a picture-based game instead of numbers or, or letters or, or anything like that. And so you're, you're trying to identify the, and win and mark off your, your board as the pictures come out. 
the artwork is amazing. They could have very easily um, taken just screen grabs from the movie because the movie movies the the art in the movie is absolutely beautiful by itself. But they didn't. They actually reimagined a bunch of uh, elements of um, the culture from the movie and had different artists do pictures and drawings of those as well. And I ordered several different versions of Lotteria because there aren't a lot of games that have come out of Mexican culture that have ever been available where I could buy them before. And as soon as I saw it, I, 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 I remember playing Lotteria um, when I grew up in Arizona. And I haven't seen it since I was a little kid. And so when I saw it, I ordered it immediately. So we're going to have two or three versions coming in. And I just thought that was a cool yeah. find of something that we had never had in the store. Um, you know, kind of a callback to, for some people to remember their childhood and, and, and their culture. To say, you know, games are for everybody. Games come from everywhere. Let's try to pick some stuff up and have some things for everybody in the store. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, going back to some things that we talked about earlier, there is a new version of Smash Up that is out based on the Disney version. Uh, just from the front box, it looks like we have everyone from Baymax to Jack Skellington to Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, so that looks pretty fantastic. I will say that there is something called Sakura Arms. Yeah. That I feel like I wish Jesse was here because I feel like we'd get a, about a 40-minute spiel on those. You sure would. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can tell you about it, not as well as he could. but okay. uh, yeah. It is a two-player card fighting game. Um, You choose one of the seven goddesses or Megami at the beginning of your game, and that's the deck you play. You fight and win. That's that's the most I know. There's something with trees where you get some powers. I'm butchering it. That's fair. But you're giving us your best, and that's all that we're asking for. It looks really pretty. It does have a... An anime vibe to it yes. for sure, uh, and it's not—it's not fan servicey. It does still look very respectful. So yes, um, I hope so. Yeah. Something I wanted to point out in there too is—I um, thought it was a cool ad from WizKids this year, which is fairy dragons of the all the colors of the rainbow yeah. for Pride Month. Mm. So that's kind of fun, right? They are fun. They're so cute. Yeah, and, and also we got in more Pokemon Nano Blocks. Um, this. I think that if I remember the timeline right, that these nano blocks are things that I ordered so that we would have them for last Christmas shopping season in 2021. <laughs> and they just got here this week. So kind of call back so, to our shipping fun. Christmas and, in July. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, for anybody who doesn't know, nano blocks are like half the size of Legos, maybe even a quarter of the size of Legos. And they are really, they have done a really amazing job of making a ton of characters from various video game franchises. It's Nanoblocks. I ordered all the Pokemon ones. And um, they, when you assemble them, they look very much like the original 8-bit versions from, you know, of characters like when, when I was a kid. I think when you were a kid, it was already 16-bit Alexis, but maybe 32-bit by that point. We're not here to video game shame you. That's not what the purpose of this podcast is. (laughs) So so that's kind of fun that those are in there as well. I did want to give a shout-out because you have one of the expansions for Onitama, which is literally my favorite chess alternative ever. Uh, If you've never played Onitama, it is basically a game where you have one head monk and four... Uh, student monks against another player who has the exact same 
And there's only certain martial arts moves that you know throughout the game. Only four moves total. And each time you play, you variate on what those four moves are. And so as you play... He uses cards, right? Exactly. So a card might have different movement for each one of your pieces. But after you play that movement with just one piece, you trade it in for another card. So as you're playing, you never quite know what to expect next. You can kind of plan ahead. But it gives you a little bit more of a variety. It's on a smaller board. And you don't have to remember what each piece does. You just have to remember, uh, you know, what you want to do for the next round. And protect your, your head monk and get him to the other side of the board. Or completely destroy your enemy. Now this light and shadow expansion that is on the new hotness adds some new elements in that you can have a ninja character that is actually hidden on the board. You have your own little secret board and you're moving them along so at a moment's notice you can strike and your opponent won't know where you are. Uh, and it has another mode that I haven't quite figured out how to explain yet. But if you're looking for something that's like chess, but it's a little bit different, gives a different vibe, I highly suggest Onitama. Yeah, the base game we've been out of for a while, we're going we're gonna to have to get some more in. Um, it always sold really well, and then it went out of stock for forever during all the kind of the shipping craziness. And I'm not even sure if it's available to get the, the base game again. Oh, We're going to have to check. I'm not sure. It's the one that's like a tall rectangle box, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And it's got magnets. It's yeah. beautifully designed inside. So Yeah. Uh -huh. No, it, it did very well, especially. The, and that's what we sold it as, a faster chess variant to to kind of keep things going. Because there's a lot of people that have some... There's, there's a lot of people that come in the store and they love chess. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I was just looking and, and putting together a reorder for some new boards and some new types of figures. And then, of course, a lot of the old standards. Um, but there's other people who do not have positive memories of playing chess. But this is kind of gives you some of that feeling, but a little bit more control because it's a much faster game as well. Um, with there only being four pieces on each side. Exactly. And a limited number of moves. So it's not like some of the games where I've been um, staring at the board for like 25 minutes, like, how do I not die right here? How, how, how do I get out of this block that I'm most definitely not getting out of? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will say that one of my favorite parts is that the game itself comes in a nice kind of more of a vertical box than a large horizontal one. So unlike chess where you have a bunch of pieces, everything fits beautifully inside this box. It's got a magnetic clasp. Uh, they put some real time into the design of it. Uh, but if you want to come in and try and beg, plead, and martyr to try and get a copy of Onitama or anything else, what might be some good reasons that people might want to come into the shop this week? I mean, I had something in the new hotness that I was going to talk about. You know, then you need to tell me about it. Well, I was going to. Good. Rolling rights, flipping rights. Okay. I enjoy them a lot. All right. Uh, Next Station London is one that I learned on BGA and was like, we got to get a few copies. So it's a four-player game, well, one to four. There's four different rounds with different colored pencils, and you are trying to build the underground network in London. Mm. If you cross the Thames River, you get two extra points each time you cross, and each each round is a new route, route, route. And Either way. Yeah. Just depends data, on which data. part of the United States you grew up in. <laughs> um, you're flipping the cards, and if it's a circle, you have to connect from here to a circle, and then a triangle, and you're just making these networks, and they have to, if they connect a certain amount of times, you get extra points. That's the gist of it. 
I just like flipping rights. rights. There have been so many good flipping like rolling rights as of lately that I I mean I did I, Monster Party a few weeks ago and Castle that was Party? Enough. Castle Party, yeah. excuse me. It has monsters in it. Yes, that it does. Me off. Uh but that was a really good one. I know Cartographers just had a new one. They have a bunch of expansions coming out too. Do they? Yes. Yeah, they they had three expansions drop or they're technically new map types. Yes. And then there's three more coming yeah. out. I think I, we have those on order, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, I bought Next Station London. I bought the Lost Cities Roll and Write. Isle of Cats Explore and Draw, which is a Roll and Write. I have not played any of them in person yet, but I was like, wow, the last few games I bought have all been Roll and Writes. Apparently, I like them. Isle of Cats has its own Roll and Write? Yeah. yeah. That, that is the one where the cats, you have to get the cats on the ship, yeah. correct? That is. Okay, so side tangent. That game is one of the most mysterious things to me in the world because it's set in the same universe as, oh, now I, I've stuck myself here because I need to remember. The Isle of Dogs? It is not. No, that's an excellent <laughs> Wes Anderson movie. Uh, I love cats. I'm I don't gonna, know, where you're, have to I don't know where you're going on this one. Yeah, I, and you, you look, look it up because be I'm going to tell you what's going on this week. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you know, obviously earlier we talked about Double Masters getting released when that comes out on Friday. So we are going to have a Double Masters draft on Friday. Um, I, as a kind of a quote unquote, maybe a gift to the community, have made it pretty cheap. Um, Double Masters is a, a special set where they reprint a ton of older cards and most of them are, some of them are pretty expensive. There's a couple cards that are already priced at over $1,000 for the set. Uh, and we're doing the draft, so you're going to get three packs for $39 for the draft. Um, there's a lot of stores that are selling Double Masters at $20 per pack. So it's like almost like buy two, get one free for the draft event on Friday. But leading up to that, um, this week is also uh, Digimon, and I think that they've got a new set getting ready to drop as well. If it's not this week, it's next week. Flesh and Blood just had a new release, and so their Flesh and Blood guys are playing um, Wednesday, I think. And then um, uh, this upcoming Saturday is both Second Saturdays on the Square, uh, Second Saturday Sidewalk Sale, I'm sorry. And that is, um, um, we're, stay tuned for what we're going to put on that sale, but I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of non-game books on the set on the um on the sale for this upcoming saturday and then it's also the uh next second saturday um concert on the square as well so the the street in front of the game store will be closed down on saturday for the farmer's market and then stay closed for the concert but that's a free concert that anybody can come out with lawn chairs and just set up and just chill and watch a free concert on the square so um, that's this upcoming week too. The city scheduled four different concerts this year, and um, they are all different types of music. The one that got rained out two weeks ago was America, uh, more kind of Americana, and I think this one is the funk concert. I think they they've they booked funk music, so it looks like it's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, there's also a country one coming up, and then a jazz and blues one as well. So. Uh, the name of the group is uh, Wedding Band, B-A-N-N-E-D, like band. Interesting. Like they're not allowed to play Beautiful. at weddings anymore. Yeah. So that's that's who's uh, that one starts at six o'clock on Saturday. 
just thought that's fun. Kind of come downtown and celebrate, you know, and enjoy awesome summertime weather and sit in historic buildings as a backdrop all the way around and listen to some good music. Should be a good time. Yeah. For the country one, can we kidnap Ken and bring him here against his will and make him listen? <laughs> Tie him to a lawn chair, force him out there. Yeah. Well, every time Ken really is is uh, on a roll, Jesse and I will pull up some David Allen Coe, you never even call me by your name, and play it as loud as we can and then both sing as loud as we can uh, just to really annoy the Jesus out of Ken. I feel like HR needs to know about he, this. This seems like a problem. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Ken huddled up in a ball underneath the table the last time they did it. <laughs> At his age, he should not be huddling under anything unless there's an earthquake. Like, okay. No, he was, he was, yeah. Uh, All right. I, I'm going to finish my tangent. Yes, now. That's, Isle of Cats. That's Isle of Cats. So if you ever played Isle of Cats or seen it, it's a very bright, vibrant game. Uh, you have a ship. There are cats on an island. You have to get your all the cats onto your ship. It sounds like a really sweet game until you read the narrative. And the narrative is this island is full of these very rare and exotic cats. And there is this evil overlord that is coming named Lord Vesh to destroy the island. So you're trying to preserve the cats before they're killed. Now, I remember playing this game for the first time and saying, okay, that's kind of dark. I don't know where that's coming from. And... That name, Lord Vesh, I've heard it before. And I had just finished playing a game called The City of Kings. Oh. Which is a basically medieval post-apocalyptic game where you are at the last city, the last surviving city after this overlord, Lord Vesh, has destroyed everything else. And all of these different populations are forced into the city and you're trying to expand outward and hopefully try and survive while keeping the city safe. It is a dark bleak story and so i always found it weird that uh, uh, the undertones of that dark bleak apocalypse are going on while we're trying to get cats off an island and trying to lure them into traps i love that dichotomy and they have a third i had game. no idea that they were in the same universe right i would never have guessed that and then verdant there's another game verdant guard oh sorry the Doran Gardens is also in that genre as well. It doesn't really fit into the narrative as much, but I just feel like they created this great game. They're like, all right, how, can we connect this to City of Kings somehow? How can we <laughs> just throw Lord Vesh in there for some reason? So, I mean, Is that why there's treasures and stuff too that you're getting from the island? Exactly. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It, and City of Kings is a notoriously hard game. My wife and I have tried to play it, I believe, four times to beat the first scenario and we have to keep on making homebrew rules because it is intense to try and get through um but are you playing with the right rules i think so because we discovered that we were we've been playing zombicide with one of the rules wrong <laughs> around the soldiers and we're like how do we keep dying in zombicide over and over again oh we're playing with the wrong rules in the soldiers. And Here's the, how they're supposed to work. And the spawning. And, and the spawning, yeah. We, we, were, we were messing a lot up. In theory, I think it made a better game, but so, I like a little difficulty. City of Kings, Cody's going to kill me if I'm wrong. It's his, yeah. He's, that's okay. one of his favorite games I was gonna, of all time. I, we played it once, and I was like, is that the game we played? That was that was my question. I was going to explain it, but you answered it for me. Yeah, he always talks about how much he loves that game, and he always makes it sound like it's so easy, and I don't know what I'm missing. So. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was difficult. I don't think we won when we played, but it was a long time ago, and yeah. I... It has a lot of like area of effect spells that you have to contribute and like dodge and your characters take time to power up. It's it's incredibly uh, detailed. I really love it. But with that, our episode is going to come to a close. Dun dun dun.
I'd like to thank the staff members that have joined me today, and if you want a chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. And at Red Raccoon Games, we have an enormous supply of, they're not Squishmallows, right? They are... Squishables. Squishables, yes. which in my belief are much better than Squishmallows. Squishmallows, I feel like, same shape. They all look like avocados. They make better pillows, but other than that... Exactly. <laughs> but I, will, I have shown people the pictures of the Plague Doctor and the Plague Nurse. Uh, Cerberus. You guys have a huge Cerberus, I think, still. I them yesterday. i got to get some more. Oh, no. Uh, I did see that there is a giant cauldron that is going to be coming with yeah. a cute smiley face on it. Uh, they, they're do, they've been doing their uh, announcing all their Halloween stuff, and then it's got Alexis excited. Yeah, it, it's for those cute, spooky people in the world that just want cute, spooky things. But then there's also cute strawberry cows. There are strawberry cows, and there's strawberry milk, and I, I, I have the keychain to go with my keychain strawberry cow. But we need to get the the bigger one. Yes. Yeah, I know. I just I need to. I got to put a reorder in anyway because we're also out of uh, Bahamut. Oh yes. A giant fluffy dragon. Well, yeah, they've they've really leaned into geek culture, mm-hmm. right? Ever since the Plague Doctor came out, they really game stores were like, we want the Plague Doctors, and oh, we're gonna take all the dragons and all the unicorns and like whatever mythological creatures they make. The game stores are buying them all, and 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 gamer culture is like, we we want cute fuzzy things as well. Just we don't necessarily care about avocados as much. Exactly. And. Uh, Anna was very excited about the pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to check out all of the cute and cozy and creepy things that we have that you can squish, uh, come on in. I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment on the podcast app of your choice. Or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout-out on the show. But until next time. Keep playing. Bye. Bye. <laughs>